Hey church, well, it is here. It is the week of the year that we celebrate Mother's Day. Oftentimes people are like, hey, what day is your birthday? In our family, we do birthday week, sometimes even birthday month. So really, this should be Mother's Month. That's what I say, Mother's Month, at least Mother's Week. So this week we have been celebrating Mother's Day. Hey, wherever you are in the world and whatever day is Mother's Day where you are, let's take this opportunity to thank our moms. And by the way, not just thanking moms, natural moms, but within our own community around the world, there are spiritual moms, women who love and care for children and community members. So thank you to all of the natural mothers and the spiritual mothers. We love you. I was going to say we wouldn't be here without you, but that's actually quite literally a fact and the truth. Uh, I think about our church, I think about our mom, uh, our mom, <laughs> my mom, who's kind of like been a mom to so many people in our community these last 27, 28 years of our church. Hey, mom, I love you. Thank you for being such a consistent, faithful, regal, beautiful woman. I love you. I think women are incredible, strong. I was raised by a strong woman, a strong mother, and I was also raised by a strong older sister. Um, I just think, Mom, you are a stunning, stunning human, and I wanna say thank you and dedicate. The next few minutes, we uh, share some study and some investigation into ancient, holy, divine scripture. I wanna dedicate these few moments to you moms all over the world. I want to read a scripture to you in a moment that is compelling to say the least. Now, you know me, I like to overstate things. Some some people are like, do you have a problem with lying? No, but I love to exaggerate. Okay, exaggeration just adds dimension. Um, but obviously it could get out of control. So I don't want to say that I'm exaggerating because I don't think I am. We're going to go to one of the most important statements Jesus ever made to his 12 disciples, no doubt in my mind. And I'm titling this Mother's Day message, this Mother's Day week, this Mother's Day month, a new commandment, a new commandment. Have you ever asked yourself, am I legit? Am I for real? Am I a fraud? Am I a fake? On the back of my cell phone, um, I got a sticker from a friend who has an incredible organization and a company, and the sticker says social media isn't real, which is another way of saying um, it's not legitimate oftentimes. It's not always authentic, right? A lot of it is presentation. A lot of it is appearance. But uh, very rarely do I do Instagram lives as I'm waking up in my bed in the morning, right? Like you, you don't want anyone to see that part of your life. And so we live today in a culture dominated by content that oftentimes isn't really the full scope of who we are. It is very easy to wonder sometimes, am I true? Am I authentic? Am I genuine. Recently, someone said to me, uh, Judy, your sermons are great, but this preacher that I listen to is more committed to the authenticity of scripture. And you know, those comments and, you know, it was kind of a joke, kind of not from a, from a friend. And you're like, is that a shot at me? But then you get in your car and you drive away and you start to think, am I authentic? Am I genuine? 
Am I the real deal? Maybe during this extraordinary, unusual, unprecedented season dominated by a global pandemic, have you had some of those introspective moments asking yourself, am I the real deal? Am I really, like, you have those kind of thoughts that no one knows about, like, am I really committed to this marriage? Am I really a authentic parent? Do I really love my job? Do I actually truly love Jesus? Am I a real follower of Jesus? Am I a religious person or am I really passionately pursuing living, loving, and looking like Jesus? Or is this a fad? Or is this just a place I fit in? Is this what, am I genuine? I mean, that pathway can take you down each nook and cranny and category and characteristic of your entire life wondering, am I legit? They cut my eyebrows before I'm recording this sermon. Did you know that? My eyebrows were trimmed, right? I mean, as weird as that sounds, you kind of wonder like, They put on a whole lot of makeup on me and they cut my eyebrows. Like, is this for show or do I really love Jesus? And I want to say at 42, uh, I have been going steady with my wife for 20, more than 22 years. That's not even counting our middle school romance, right? Only girlfriend I've ever had. And I still find myself going, hey, am I... Like, I love Chelsea, right? Like, this is authentic, right? Like, this is, this is good. And, and, and it's amazing how a little extra time at home, a little extra time not going out and about that COVID has forced us into, you get a little bit more introspective, don't you? And that's why I want to speak to you. You start to wonder, like, hey, is there, like, a test I can take to find out whether or not I'm the real deal? Whether or not I'm authentic? As oversimplified as that may sound, I actually want to take you to a couple of verses that is the test for whether or not your pursuit of Jesus is authentic or whether or not you are the real deal when it comes to loving Jesus or following Jesus. Listen now to the words of Jesus. John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus says, and I quote, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, comma, also love one another. Now listen to this verse, verse 35. By this, all people will know. In other words, all the people that know you will know that you are my disciple, you are my disciplined follower if you have love for one another. Now this is, I've been using the word outrageous lately because it just gets me excited. So it might not be the most appropriate word to use for this passage, but this seems like an outrageous verse. Did Jesus just give us the ultimate litmus test? For whether or not we actually are true, authentic, genuine followers of Jesus, is this it? Because if you're like me, if you've been around church, organized religion of any kind, the popular trends amongst all the world religions is that you prove that you're a true follower of that particular religion by your dedication, your discipline, right? Your focus, your morality, right? Like that, that seems to be the overwhelming 
trend, the, the ultimate gauge of evidence. Like, did you just cuss? Excuse me, do you smoke? Oh my word, is that a rated R movie you just watched? And now, some of you are going, wait, those are actual? Yes, growing up, where I grew up, when I grew up, those were the big, big marks you had to hit, right? You can't cuss, you can't smoke, you can't smell like smoke, you can't go to a bar, you can't drink alcohol, you can't watch rated R movies, right? Like this is like, you can't, you need to wear t-shirts that have Christian messages like heaven or hell or smoking or non-smoking. You know, like you gotta put bumper stickers on your car. Your car can't be very nice because you're a Christian. So it has to be like, <laughs> do you remember the bumper sticker growing up? Come on, this is Christian jokes. We're just having a good time. Do you remember that one where if you had a real like tore up car, you would put on the bumper sticker, don't be fooled, my treasures in heaven? Come on, you have to remember that. That one really still tickles me, okay? Who's this tickle? It just makes me laugh. It's still comical, right? Like, my treasure is in heaven. But there were all of these cultural connotations to what a true religious practicing person was, particularly when it comes to evangelicalism and Christianity. Hey, you know someone's a Christian if they dress a certain way, if they don't use bad words, smell bad, go to bad places or watch bad movies, right? That's how, oh, 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 and by the way, if you had bad friends, like friends who were doing bad stuff, that was another indication, like, that's not good. I must admit, nearly the entire list I've shared with you, though the New Testament speaks a handful of times about um, your jokes shouldn't be, uh, uh, degrading of people, shouldn't, there shouldn't be coarse language, which could relate to cussing. Um, there's a few portions of scripture. It's never been the overwhelming evidence or emphasis of our practice as Jesus followers. But this is, this is it. Jesus says, by this, all the people in your world, all the people that come across your path or know you and play on the soccer team or the softball team, all the people will know, oh, he follows, she follows Jesus. Now, something fascinates me about this passage. He says, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. Listen now, love one another. Okay, that's the first time he says love one another. Just as I have loved you, love one another. Third time. By this all people know you're my disciple if you love one another. Three times in one verse. You hear me? Three times in one verse. This isn't the longest verse in the Bible. Excuse me, I should say three times in two verses. I just looked at that, okay, there's three times in two verses. But these are not the longest two verses in the Bible. This is a really, let me see, that is two sentences. So in two sentences, we are told three times to love one another. And let me be clear, Jesus here is insinuating in his language that you love fellow Christians. This isn't even talking about loving the whole world. It says now the, the whole world will see how we love each other and they'll know something. They, that's, that looks like Jesus from best I can tell. Jesus says, this will be the test. This will be the test. This will be the test. How do you love each other? How do you love each other? So I wanna say this when it comes to our community, 
that we are going to be committed to serving and loving one another. Yes, we're going to reach the world. We're going to love the world. And this is our passion. And that is why we are church at home. That is why we believe you can practice church in your home, with your neighbors, with your loved ones, right? You don't have to just darken the door of a big auditorium and a big service and a gathering that can be really intimidating to people who don't go to church or don't want to go to church or hurt by church, right? Church at home. We are passionate. We have thousands of people around the world practicing their faith in parks and apartments and living rooms and cafes. It is so exciting, but let us not forget the way we shall know that our love for God is authentic is by our love for one another. Our love for one another. Now, much more to say, and we will over the next few moments, and I hope that this actually uh, breeds incredible conversation, maybe even with those in the living room and you're watching this sermon right now, I'm hoping that at the conclusion in the next few minutes, this sermon is done, we go into a time of using music and then an amazing robust conversation happens with those incredible people in the room with you right now. But I wanna show you something that I take issue with in these few verses. Jesus says, and I quote, I have a new commandment. Ooh, if you're like me, I'm like, new? This is exciting, right? Like, who doesn't like new? I mean, new plagues us in our culture and in our world. Everybody wants new. I need something new. Give me something new. I need something new. What's new? This is amazing. What's new, right? It's like, okay, we're coming out of COVID. I need something new, something fresh. All right, ah, just give me something new, right? You just want to feel something new. I just want to, just something, something new. I, I got an Amazon sweatshirt the other day from Amazon, right? It's, it's a new sweatshirt. I came down. I was so excited about my new sweatshirt, just a cream colored sweatshirt, a basic sweatshirt kind of fleece material, really cozy, XL, right? A little extra big. I was gonna be just sit and watch a movie and be cozy in my new sweatshirt, right? Really inexpensive sweatshirt. And I come downstairs and my 14-year-old, my 14-year-old has taken my sweatshirt out of its packaging and put it on and said, Dad, what do you think? I was like, that's my new sweatshirt that I wanted to take out of the package, okay? So I love, the point is I love new stuff. By the way, I gave him the sweatshirt because like he already ruined the experience of pulling it out of the package and you know, I love new. So Jesus says a new commandment and I'm thinking new, new, new. Okay, you got my attention. What's new? And he says, love one another. That's not new. <laughs> like, are you like me? You're like, ah, that's not new. I don't know why we're calling that new. Jesus, you can't give speeches that don't really make sense. Guys, I got something new. And everyone's like, oh my word, what's it gonna be? He's gonna be like, I am gonna be with you. I'm gonna float everywhere with you. This new thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be the floating teacher. I'm gonna be the floating Messiah. Are you ready? Float with me. In fact, I will show you something new. I will teach you how to float. If you have enough faith, you'll float. Now all of us will be like, whoa, did you hear about the new thing? Jesus is gonna make us float. We're all gonna just hover and float because of our faith. This is new, woo, right? That, that's exciting. But there's no mention of floating or levitating or flying. He's like, here's a new commandment. Love each other. And you're like, oh, I don't think that's new, right? So if you're like me, I read that verse and I go, What's new about this? 
and I'm so serious when I say this, I will read verses this is exactly what happened about three weeks ago when I read this verse and started thinking about potentially preaching on it, is I said, what is so new about loving each other? I mean, friends, you got to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. There's plenty about loving each other, plenty about love, not as much as the New Testament, but plenty about love. And Jesus says, love one another. That's my new commandment. Why and how is that new? Now, by asking that question, you and I might very well stumble on to the key. I mean, major key. Like, Judah, we don't do that any major key. Okay. But no, seriously, here's the key. Unlocks the whole teaching, and it unlocks the whole verse. I give you a new commandment, love one another. Now, by loving one another, this will be the litmus test. You will decide, you will determine, you will decipher, you will be able to understand whether or not this is authentic and genuine in you. Can you love people within your own community, your own neighborhood, your next door neighbors? Can you love? Can you love the annoying family that kind of hurt you within the church? Can you still love them? Can you still love them? Can you still love them? This will be the test. But notice, semicolon, a new commandment, love one another. That's not new, just as I loved you. Watch the repetition. You also love one another. Think, I want you to hear this sentence. New commandment I gave you, love one another, just I've loved you, you also love one another. It's like, wait, no, that's not a great sentence, is it? God, like, you kinda are redundant here. Yeah, but listen closely. Love one another, as I have loved you, love one another. Here's why it's new because we're to love one another the same way Jesus loved us. Not love one another the way we've been loving one another. Not love one another the way we always attempt and try to love each other temporarily and in, in bursts of loving emotion. But we're to love each other just as Jesus loves us. That's not just new, that's discouraging. Now maybe you're like, that's not discouraging. I think it is. Hey, I got a new commandment, right? I'm like, I am in. Talk about marketing, talk about a billboard, talk about like, what? Jesus, you have something new? <laughs> this is more than the 10 commandments. This is, past. okay, tell us your new commandment. What is it? This is so exciting. You need to love each other. All right, that's not really new, okay. What else? As I have loved you. What? Jesus, we got a couple questions. And all of a sudden I imagine the little classroom setting in Teacher Jesus, right? He's like, uh, yeah, guys, obviously, what questions do you have? Uh, real quick, you're perfect. I am. So your love is perfect. It is. So you're saying love each other perfectly? Yeah. Next question. Jesus. Impossible. Teacher Jesus, impossible. And Jesus goes, yeah, totally. Next question. There's 12 disciples, you know. Next question. So we can't do the new commandment you're asking us. 
teacher Jesus would go. Well, I think you can. Jesus, by the way, if the teachings of Jesus haven't frustrated you yet, they need to. Because when the teachings of Jesus frustrate you, you oftentimes will get to the right answer and you'll get to the right place. This new commandment should frustrate you. First of all, it shouldn't feel new. And then second of all, you should ask, why doesn't it feel new? And then God says, because I want you to love people exactly the way that I have loved you. And at that point you go, that's impossible. And Jesus goes, exactly. And then you go, so what are we gonna do? And Jesus goes, well, you're gonna need a lot of me, aren't you? And we're gonna go, oh, so you want us to need you and only you to love each other the way you have loved us. Yeah. Oh, so like an empty glass or cup, you want us to wake up every day as empty as can be so that you can pour that unconditional love into us so that we can give it to others. Yeah. Wow. So this is, this is quite an opportunity. It is. I want to pour my love. Now, here's, here's a question. Do you know how he loves you? I am quite convinced and persuaded that very few things, if any at all, on this planet and in this experience, on earth as we call it, is more important than knowing how the one who made everything you are, everything you see, knowing how he loves you. Do you know how he loves you? I'm not sure I can ask a more important question right now. Do you know how he loves you? Yeah, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Some say, well, hopefully we're not in the middle. I hope so too. I hope we're on the tail end. So can I ask you, do you know how he loves you? How does he love you? What is it about his love that is unlike any other love you've ever experienced? How does he love you? So much to say, but I'd like to respond to my own question that I've asked you. And again, I hope that this provides a pathway to a robust conversation one with another. Let me summarize how he loves you in such a crude, brief way and there's so much more we can say but for sake of time here's how he loves you no conditions did you hear me here's how he loves you no conditions i'm gonna say it again god loves you with no conditions i'm gonna say it again god the creator of heaven and earth the one who makes lakes and rivers and rhinos and giraffes and mount everest and and seas and depths we are not even able to take any kind of technological device down into. That great, mysterious, magnificent creator loves you right now with no conditions. He loves you for you. That's all. He loves you fully for he is perfect and fully, completely love. No condition. People ask all the time, does God love me? You have no idea. What a funny question we still are asking ourselves. Is God, is God here? Does God love me? Oh no. It's way past our English definition of love. 
is his obsession. You are always on his mind. The Bible says as numerous as sand on the seashore show, so are his thoughts towards you. Now, the word love here in John 13 is the word agape, which is very important because it really does not connect at all. The definition and meaning of this word has nearly nothing to do with emotion or impulse. Nothing. It is this, it, it, it's got no connection to affinity, no need for attraction, no need for emotion. It, you, no affinity, no attraction, no emotion. It, it, which is to say, this love doesn't need affinity, it doesn't need attraction, and it doesn't need emotion. And yet so much of our love, the love songs, the love, how much we love love, oh, I love love, love is that, that love that we sing about and we melt about and we, we swoon about and we dance about is usually affinity, attraction, emotion, impulse, desire, nature, right? It's like, ah, oh, man, I need love, right? Like, his love is way past that. His love is no conditions. Does he have an affinity for you? Does he have an attraction to you? Does he have emotion for you? Uh oh, a thousand times yes. But this love does not need that. So conversely, when God says, the litmus test of your authenticity in your journey with Jesus is that you will begin to express a love that doesn't need attraction, affinity, or emotion. It is a love that God gives you and persuades you daily to pour out and give. What kind of love is this? It is, number one, to love one another is to live with unselfish concern. Getting this from multiple translations in the original language, this agape means unselfish concern. It means you have committed to seek the benefit of others. You pursue the benefit of others. You are literally committed to serving others. This is love, this is love. So unselfish concern, which is to say caring, care or caring without scoring. Now let's talk just for a second. I'm almost done. How you will know whether or not this faith in you is authentic is that you will learn to love without conditions. Who are we to love? First and foremost, John 13 is loving the people in your own community. That's what it means. Particularly those who share the divine persuasion called faith in Jesus. We are to love and serve one another unselfishly. We are to care for one another without scoring. I'll say it like this. I was in a conversation recently with someone and they said this statement. They said, that particular person owes me a favor. And I thought, that's very normal. Didn't think much of it. And I started thinking about it later and thought, you know, that's a different kind of way of living that isn't the way we're invited to when it comes to Jesus. We don't owe each other favors. In fact, I have determined to live my life, no one owes me anything. Because if I start thinking people owe me stuff, well, that changes the whole dynamic and definition of the love that I am to live with. 
So we have committed to build the kind of community that cares for one another, caring without scoring. Caring without scoring. There's no scoreboard. You don't owe me anything. I didn't do this. So later you'll do like that's not. Now you can mow your neighbor's lawn. And then when you're gone on vacation, they can mow your lawn. That's fine. Nothing inherently wrong with that. I'm just saying that is a level of loving. And we're about to level up to another level of loving, which is I'm going to have concern and care. I'm going to seek the benefit of you that you will benefit from this whether or not I benefit from this. Now, to live like that every day is impossible. Back to the classroom with Jesus. And that's why all of the teachings of Jesus, sorry, that clapping seemed very, very loud. I'm very sorry. All of the teachings of Jesus seem to continually culminate into this place where we go, I can't do that. Jesus goes, I know, you need me. (laughs) You need me to be your best friend and to walk with you every step of the way. And I'll energize you. So be empty every day. Let me fill you with a love with no conditions. Learn how to practice unselfish concern, caring without scoring. You do that. I'm not saying you're going to do it every minute of every day. I'm not going to say you're going to feel like doing it at 11.30 p.m. at night when you get a call from a friend as like, you got a minute? I'm going through something. And you're like, I'm going through something. It's called REM sleep, right? I'm trying to get some sleep. And they're like, I really need just five minutes. And you and I both know that five minutes between friends is five hours. And you're like, well, I'll do it because I know they'll do it for me. No, 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 no. There's another level. There's another level. There's another level. That sounds like business partners and that's fine. But there's another level of loving. There's another level of living. And it is only possible by the person who modeled it, demonstrated, embodied it, and is the consummation of all love. It is Jesus. You know why it's a new commandment? Because he told us to love without conditions. And only Jesus can enable us to love without conditions. And that's why he said, I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to resurrect on the third day. I'm going to levitate in the clouds, but I'm going to leave my spirit. And you wait until you feel my spirit, my invisible ghost the the, the ghost version of God. He is invisible, but he is tangible and he is real. He is the ghost of God. He is the presence of God. He is the person of God. He is the Holy Spirit and he is upon us and he is within us and he enables us every day. Every day. Don't you be too hard on yourself now, but every day preparing to love with no conditions, preparing to caring without scoring, preparing to say, I'm going to seek your benefit and not think about my benefit. Now, I want you to imagine just for a moment, loving with no conditions, times that by a hundred people practicing, and then times it by a thousand people practicing that kind of love. The next level love. Now time 10,000, 100,000. And all of the sudden, you can begin to see and peer into the future of our country, your country, your respective continent. And you can say, oh, love, this love, godly love, Jesus love, love with no conditions, could change the world. Could change the world. And in the process, it will be a constant reminder that you, that this is genuine to you. 
I don't think waking up every morning feeling like you have it all figured out and you're so noble and moral and excellent is actually how a Jesus follower should wake up. I'm not saying you lack confidence, boldness, or assurance, or security. But I think every day we wake up, if that is the litmus test, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, then it requires that every day I wake up and go, God, we, we are down here on a I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine kind of arrangement. And that is just how it works down here. So empty me of that and fill me with unselfish concern for others. And then you go about your day and the person of Jesus walking right with you starts to nudge you. Take care of them. Sit down and listen. Change your schedule. Pick up the call. Go to coffee. Pray for this person right now. Now call them. Tell them you're thinking about them. Expecting nothing in return. And I would like to go on record to say it quickly becomes the most exhilarating, fulfilling way to live your life. And man, I was gonna say I have bad days where I don't do this. Correction, I have bad weeks that turn into bad months where it's like, I am only loving people who love me. In other words, I'm only taking care of people who will also take care of me. Now I wanna go to the next level of living and loving. The unselfish concern for others that Jesus can give you. I know this man sounds simple. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. But do you know that you have access to God right now? And by praying this simple prayer, God, fill me with unselfish concern for others. He'll do it. I know right now we all feel so selfish. Are you like me? I'm like, do you ever like get in your own head and thoughts and be like, I only think about myself. Like I am so selfish, right? I look at my wife and I'm like, Chelsea's so selfless. I'm so unselfish. We got this new puppy, maybe you've heard, and like Chelsea makes all the food for the puppy. I have been cleaning up the puppy's messes, I will admit, but like she's just so selfless. And I'm like, how do I? And we can pine away by comparing ourselves to other people who seem so selfless, or we can come empty before God every day and say, fill me again with unselfish concern for others. And I will know what you're doing in my life, God, is authentic and genuine. And so will those in my world. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much that you, that the simple prayer filling us with unselfish concern for others, caring with not scoring, not, not just no strings attached. When we ask for that, you answer us and you respond. And I thank you for that. Thank you for if you're here and you're watching this right now, wherever you are in the world, and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, I wanna pray for you right now and invite you to make that decision. You will never be the same. Does Jesus love you? Oh, my friend, he is obsessed with you. He has never been far from you. He's always near, he's always close. Why? Well, quite literally, he is your father. He made you. He designed you. He's so proud of your personality and your makeup, who you are. He's so in love with you. 
you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus provides. He became sin so that you and I could become right in our relationship with the Creator, God. If you'd like to receive that free gift, you can't earn it or deserve it, you just accept it. You can just raise your hand wherever you are. Even if you're outside on a park bench right now, you're like, that's me, I received that. You are forgiven forever. Never be the same. Jesus, I thank you that your forgiveness flows freely here at church home. And I thank you for saving us forever. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.